Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Job Express to take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild-eyed eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall, and he looks at crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. So you might be wondering what the clip I just played is from, and the answer is that it's from my favorite movie, which happens to be Big Trouble in Little China. And you might be wondering why I decided to open up with a clip from an old action film. And the answer is because it's the 100th episode and I want to have some fun. But I also want to reflect on something that got us to 100 episodes, and that is perseverance, paying our dues. So this podcast is going to get a little bit vulnerable and it's going to get real, but that's because I'm making this for anyone who is down right now. And I'm talking everyone because it always happens to us to some degree. If you haven't closed a client in two weeks, then this is for you. If you just had to let an employee go, this is for you. If you've been crushing it, but it's starting to slow down, you're asking yourself if all of this was a fluke, then this is also for you. And if you've had the best week ever, then maybe save this one for later, because the one thing that I know for certain is that it is not always sunshine and rainbows. And for the first time ever in this podcast, I'm going to tell you about some of the hardest dues that I've personally paid on the road to building Case Seal. And it's something that I'm able to laugh about now because, you know, we've officially been a seven figure company for some time. But more recently than I'm comfortable admitting, it was really a different story. So the biggest mistake that I ever made in this business and probably my entire adult life was a few years after starting the agency. So basically I was leveling up. I started to scale the team to a few people. I had my first full-time hires and I lost a couple clients unexpectedly. And I had marketing, which is dependent on referrals that started kind of turning around on me. And by that, I mean, it wasn't like people didn't like me, just I wasn't really getting the deals. I wasn't in control. So I really wanted to do the right thing. And I thought that being a real business owner, the move would be to grit your teeth, get through it, you know, take the risk, make sure you know, people get paid no matter what. And that's pretty much what I did. So I ended up floating payroll on my credit card, classic first time business owner move, and uh, ended up doubling down on the outreach and really just tried to hustle my way out of it. And the long story short is it didn't work and it took a couple months to not work. And basically I racked up at that point, tens of thousands of dollars on my credit cards. And I eventually had to let those employees go anyways. And I had to go back to being a solo consultant, which really stung. It was really, really bad for the ego. But at this point, I was a solo consultant that was in a worse position than I was a couple of years ago because I had this anchor of debt that was wrapped around my neck. So I was basically paying more in credit card fees every single month than I was paying in rent. And I also was living in Manhattan at the time. So that was a pretty big number. The thing I'm I maybe stupid, maybe proud to say is, is I didn't really end up missing a single payment on my credit cards over those years. But I was like basically starting from negative thousands in profit per month, which really sucked. I was like barely treading water some months. And then sometimes, you know, I'd have that thing where I had to figure out who I can pay and when, you know, which trees to shake, which clients to kind of like try to get some upsells on that kind of thing. And basically when the tax bills came on, there was literally no way I was going to be able to pay it. So between that couple of years of doing that and the credit cards, uh, I got to the point where my credit cards and back taxes was more than $50,000, which really sucked. And ironically, at the time we were working with bankruptcy attorneys. So I was 
really, you know, very aware of how most people were able to get out of that situation. So I had those dark moments again, like I said, everyone has the dark moments I, uh, when, when I wanted to quit, but I realized it was, it was actually worse than that. I couldn't just quit. <laughs> if I had to quit and get a job, I would have to declare bankruptcy first to get to zero from negative 50,000 before I could even consider shutting down the agency. So, um, and yeah, believe it or not, this lasted for years, right? And I had to kind of face the numbers every single month, you know, balance my bills, like I was mentioning earlier, that kind of stuff. But objectively, it was a situation of tremendous pressure. And I would probably have been absolutely crushed. But the thing that I always kept in the back of my mind was that everything was going to work out. And I had to have that almost delusional belief to get it. And that's basically what I want to talk about with you guys today. And it's what I genuinely believe at this point, which is that success really is inevitable. And it's not just by breathing the air. Terms and conditions do apply. But if you stick with the script and it's a script that matters, whenever you take a loss, you're not actually losing. I like to think of it as paying your dues. I really consider the losses that somebody takes kind of like dues that you're paying into a bank account. But the catch is you have to keep doing what you're doing in order to take a withdrawal. This is where I see a lot of the attorneys that we work with and I speak to kind of like messing things up before they come to us, right? They're paying their dues and then they decide to switch banks before they can actually make any withdrawals, right? There's a classic prospect type that we see all the time and they can name every single marketing channel, every coaching program, every software and scheme in the book. And basically we ask them how they're getting business today and the answer is almost always referrals, right? So according to this paying your dues model, this is a person who's made the first deposit into a dozen different bank accounts and they really just never come back to collect any of it. So the first condition of getting to inevitable success is sticking to the program through the downturns. So obviously there are drawbacks to that and limitations. And you know, if you go back to my own rock bottom story, that's the result of sticking to a program in a way that obviously ended up screwing me over for years. But it leads us to the second principle, which is taking feedback and keeping your eyes open. So if we're operating under the assumption that you're going to stick with a given path, if the outcome isn't what you want, you need to change something. Otherwise, it's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. You're going to have the feedback regardless of what the field is, right? And as long as you can intelligently change direction based on that feedback, you're going to be successful, whether it's the first pivot or the 50th, right? That's the difference between banging your head against the wall until it's bleeding and, you know, being the Thomas Edison situation or just getting the light bulb right on the, like, you know, the thousandth try. As long as you're making a change and you're keeping your head clear and it's a you know, sober change and you're keeping track of what has and hasn't worked before, you're going to succeed as long as you keep going. And there's kind of an interesting distinction to be made here by what you define as the path, right? I think at the end of the day, the people who switch programs every three months are coming from the same mentality of iterating. But the key difference here is that the people who succeed commit to a certain path. There's a constraint on what they're considering to move forward. It's kind of fuzzy, but you'll, you, know, you know it when you see it. Going back to my example, I had to end up letting go of those employees at the time, but I didn't let go of the idea of scaling my solo consultancy at the time to a true agency. So what I ended up iterating on was relying on networking as a way to keep my pipeline full. And that's another dividend that you end up getting from paying your dues and learning things the hard way, the lessons that you pick up doing the things that don't work. So it takes introspection and it takes a clear head to understand why things happen a certain way. But in addition to having one fewer way to mess up on your path, you sometimes unlock a principle that you can use for other things in your business. And it starts to get really interesting when you take lessons that are like more or less an individual data point and you put them in the context of other failed experiments as well as the ones that end up working, right? 
The reason why success becomes inevitable the more you try is because you go from having infinite options to pivot to down to fewer and fewer options the more that you fail, right? So the person who figures out marketing their firm on AdWords, for example, after 10 pivots actually has a much more complete theory of why the platform works, where it works, where it doesn't work than somebody who happens to get it right on the fifth try. And that person has more information than the person who gets it right the first time around. Better yet, if you're thinking about the situation where things eventually do go wrong, which they always do, who's going to be better off at getting things back on track when channel starts working? The person who got it right the first time now is set to having an infinite amount of ways to pivot. The person who got it right the first time now has infinite options as far as the pivot goes. They might not pivot in the right direction. The person who had to try 10 times has a much smaller set of options when they end up making their pivot, right? There's this old phrase that I really like. It's in the beginner's mind, there are infinite options. In the master's mind, there are few. The way that you figure out those options is by messing it up. <laughs> and the person who tried those 10 times, that's basically another form in my mind of paying your dues, right? Beginner's luck will still have, you know, it's kind of like the tab still open at the bar. The check's going to be coming eventually when things start working or the market changes and it always will. And that brings me to kind of like a sort of level zero to all of this. It's willingness to get started in the first place. And, you know, I would say without a doubt, the type of person that me and uh, my team have the hardest time helping are the people who are honestly lying to themselves about getting started. I had a pretty interesting experience recently. So uh, for the first time, I decided to call on some people who had had demos with my team in the last quarter and just kind of see where some feedback was, trying to see what could, we could fix in our process. And by the way, most of the time, you know, we don't really get no's on the phone. Most people will say, oh, yeah, like, uh, let me get back to you or later I'll think about it. And you guys, uh, especially people in state playing, know where that conversation goes. But um, anyways, I had a couple questions that I would make sure to ask anyone I was able to get a hold of. And, you know, the first one, you know, are you still looking to grow your state planning practice? Pretty much everyone said yes. And the second thing is, what did you guys ended up doing instead of moving forward with us a few months back? And there were a lot of commonalities. We got some different answers, but there were a lot of commonalities with the people who said that they hadn't done anything. And the most surprising thing to me was that it was the people who had the highest level of confidence that had done the least. And not to be too judgmental, they seemed to be the ones, I mean, not judgmental of the people I didn't mention, but the ones that seemed to be the most knowledgeable about marketing were the people who had done the least, which is really interesting. And I honestly think that these people genuinely thought that they were about to launch something next week, the day that they had their demo, and they felt the same way three months later when I'd gotten them on the phone. And I would bet it's more likely than not that those people are going to be in the same place three months from now. I mean, this is one example from a few calls, but I'm sure there's people who have felt this way for years. You know, success is just around the corner, right? And I believe that these people have been seduced by the idea that they don't have to pay their dues. So let me explain this a little bit. I'm a millennial, so I was raised in participation, trophy culture, et cetera, et cetera. And I, a big thing which you know you hear about a lot may or may not be real, but I think it's an interesting concept to think about is this whole gifted child syndrome. And I think attorneys are more likely to fall victim to this because generally you don't get into law school by being a slacker who's getting bad grades. So if you've based your self-worth on perfection your entire life and you've entered an arena where perfection is possible, aka academics, aka being you know, a good little keener at a big law firm, you've built a pattern of expecting things to be easy or doable just because you work hard, right? And the problem with business, especially marketing, is that working hard isn't the only component. There's also risk and there's the emotional labor and there's placing your and there's, you know, picking yourself up after you've paid your dues and gotten knocked down. 
But here's the trick for most of these people. You don't have to face that if you don't get started, right? You can hang on to the fantasy of how easy it's going to be once you get started for as long as you have money in the bank, right? Some people end up being forced to face the facts. Um, you know, a lot of people had this in COVID, but if your practice is not going in the right direction and you've been telling yourself you're going to get the marketing going, but you know, the next referral comes in, uh, you can basically st keep standing still as long as you're staying above water, right? And again, the referral thing is super common. If you have a decent stream of referrals, then things always end up kind of working out in the end, right? You can tread water for a really, really long time, and you can still hang on to the idea of how easy it's going to be the day you end up deciding to get started. Why is this bogus, in my opinion? Even if they ended up being the person who hit it right the first time, they would still have to figure it out when things go wrong. You know, the beginner's luck person is going to have to pay their dues eventually too, right? You're going to pay them sooner or later. Nobody who's doing what you want to do and having success with it had an elevator to the top. All of them had setbacks. And I think those people who are like hooked onto the fantasy know this on some level, but I think it's subconscious, right? No one wakes up saying, yeah, you know what, today I'm going to delude myself for another week and not move forward. But they figure out really clever ways to avoid it because deep down, they know that the reality is going to be less shiny than the fantasy. But the reality is you have to kill the fantasy to make it real. You know, fantasies aren't going to pay your bills. And that finally leads me to the last point. Paying your dues shows you the reality of whatever it is you fear. And just like the fantasy of success, the fantasy of disaster is usually bogus when you end up getting down to it. So there's a Mark Twain quote that I really love, uh, and it says, I've suffered a great many catastrophes in my life. Most of them never ended up happening. <laughs> and I want you to think about the last time that you were paying your dues. And if you're paying them right now, all the better. Like chances are you were able to wake up that day, pour yourself a cup of coffee or, you know, your beverage of choice and get to work. And, you know, sure, there might have been some clouds around your head, but it wasn't torture. It wasn't like getting your skin peeled off. Like you were able to get through that day. And there was a time before that happened that the thing that was happening, that bad outcome was something that you feared. And it's really, really hard to think about this, but the way that you felt before something happens. But I would bet dollars to donuts that the fear that you had about how bad the day would be when it came was way worse than the days that you ultimately ended up reaching and getting through and coming out on the other side. So I think fear is as much of a liar as the dream of success is. And this is another benefit of paying your dues. One of my favorite podcasters of all time is uh, Joe Polish, who's the co-host of I Love Marketing. And he has a soundbite that he always trots out when he's talking about how he got started. And he says, you know, I discovered marketing when I was a dead broke carpet cleaner. But when you've spent some time in his world, and he's been a little bit more open about this in recent years, you, you hear the real story. And the real reason he was dead broke is because he had built him, himself back up from being addicted to crack and living in a van because, you know, he had some problems. He grew up in a bad household. So I definitely don't recommend getting addicted to hard drugs, but think about what that does to your psychology. So when Joe Polish was that dead broke carpet cleaner, do you think he was worried about sending out his first direct mail campaign after picking himself up from literal rock bottom? He might have still had the same fear that anyone else would have in that situation, but the difference was he knew that he could get himself out of worse jams than a pissed off prospect, right? The ability to face the fear and do it anyway is a superpower that you get from paying your dues. And the bigger the setback you have, the stronger it gets. The people who have paid their dues truly do not sweat the small stuff. And that means that they launch faster, they're taking bigger risks, and they're capturing opportunities as they come up, right? They're already depositing checks while their competition is trying to figure out contingency plan number 423 in case something ends up going wrong. The person who's paid their dues on intake 
already booked the consult while the perfectionist was running a full background check based on, you know, the person's area code and their zip and their email, right? You get the idea. So to bring it full circle, you really shouldn't worry about things when you're down. You're not losing, you're paying your dues. And as long as you stay in the game and as long as you integrate the feedback, you're going to be getting a deeper knowledge of the things that matter to you if it's in a path that's important. And at the end of the day, you're going to be stronger for the next challenge that ends up coming. And I promise you it will. And on that note, we will call it a day. So I really wanted to thank everyone who's helped us get to 100 episodes on this podcast. And I hope to see all of you on episode 200 as well when that day comes. But for episode 101, I will be seeing you all next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.